Good afternoon, church. Wow, the weather's getting hot, right? You guys are sweating after the worship. Wow. You all look beautiful. <laughs> all right, let's turn to Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Yeah, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. We're going to read it all together. I forgot my Bible. Can you give me my Bible? Right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, let's read it all together. We're using the ESV version of the Bible. Okay, are you guys there? All right, let's go. One, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. All right, wonderful, wonderful scripture, right? I feel like I don't even have to preach. Just word of God just went out, you know. Apostle, I have to preach, so yeah. <laughs> Apostle Paul here, he's serious about rejoicing in the Lord. Everyone say, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Yeah, I like that. The context of it, though, if you really think about what he's t- talking about right now, it's not just talking about rejoicing in good circumstances. He's not saying rejoice on joyful days. He's not saying, you know, rejoicing on like national holidays that's coming up. You know, Children's Day is coming up. To say that it's Saturday, but, you know, it's not just talking about rejoicing on those good days, rejoicing on the weekends, Sundays, you know, when you are in a good mood, having a good day. But he's here is talking about choosing to rejoice in the Lord when it seems unreasonable to do so. So when trials come, when you are stressed, when you're under a lot of pressure, when you're persecuted by your family members, when there's conflict with someone that you really love, or you just got confronted by your friend, or your small group leader, oh, or you just got rebuked by your boss, oh, when you're single for years after years, <laughs> when you're having your period, sisters, Amen. yeah, I said it, <laughs> I said it. When no one seems to care about your birthdays, you know, on those days, he's saying, rejoice, choose to rejoice. In fact, it's kind of funny that I'm preaching from this passage because I was struggling with it throughout the week. I was like 
trying to prepare for the retreat, but then there was 24-7, the prayer house was going on, and I was just so torn. I wanted to be in the you know, presence of God, doing things. Not that I can't have that in the office, but it's, it's quite difficult. You know, there's a lot of work to be done, and I was grumbling, complaining, you know? It's kind of funny that I'm preaching from, wow, rejoice in the Lord. But when it's difficult, Apostle Paul is telling us to rejoice in him. I mean, I just want to share a brief story from a, a monthly outreach that we have in New Philly. So third Friday of each month, instead of having a Friday fire indoors, we go out to the streets of Itaewon. And then what we do is, it call, it's called 1038 Outreach. So come check it out. It's really fun time. Our attendance has been around like 40, 50, but I know it's going to just shoot up because last month was just so awesome. People just got blasted. Uh, Randy shared his testimony and uh, other people just really uh, reached out to the people, broken people on the streets, right? So 1038, I went to uh, a bar. Yes, we do send out some of the uh, mature and strong leaders to the bars. So I went to this bar called Gekko uh, in Itaewon. So honestly speaking, though, it was my second experience in the bar in my entire life. So first time was outreach, second time was outreached again. <laughs> so I went there. It's totally not out of my own element. You know, I'm totally like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to sit looking cool at the bar. I don't know how to, I don't, I just didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew that God was with me, right? So I went with, um, uh, you know, the Drew Bells, Anita and John. I went with Marcus and then Pastor Aaron. They were talking to other people and then the Drew Bells found, found the old, um, white guys, so they were talking to them, to, to him, and I was kind of left alone, right? I was like, oh man, who do I talk to? And then um, Pastor Aaron comes back, so I was like, okay, I want to talk to, so what we were trying to do was treasure hunts. You guys know what treasure hunts is? So it's like asking the Lord for some clues, and then God could give you like red t-shirt, he could give you like random hints, you know, some certain facts, even about like, you know, depression, knee condition, sunglasses, stuff like that. So we wrote down all our hints and then we went out, right? So I had my list. And then these three girls walked in to the bar looking like they're like native Koreans. But then they all walked in. But I saw so many different hints that I received from the Lord, right? So, oh, the big bow on the head, you know, the pink, huge, you know, those ribbons, like she was wearing one. And then the other girl, I got, what I got was a flower, right? And then the other girl was wearing a huge flower on her head. And I was like, oh, a flower right there. And then uh, certain other things, like a lot of bracelets. And then I just felt led to go talk to them. So I, they sat down at a table. I went up to them. And then I just tried to like strike a conversation with them, right? But then they were just not feeling it, okay? They were just not getting it. But then I was like, hey, we're out here to do treasure hunts in Korean, right? <laughs> it sounds so childish in Korean, especially. It sounds so ridiculous. I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like looking at me like, you crazy, you know, look. I was like, I was going strong though. I was like, oh, so I got hints from God. And then the hints were like your flower, your, you know, bow on your head. And I was explaining. And then one girl actually had a dying pet. That was one of my hints. You know, I, I had a dying pet. And then she said her cat's actually dying from the chronic, chronic dis- disease, right? I was like, oh, you are the one. And then the one girl goes, so with the big bow, she goes, so what's a big deal if you find the treasure? So what, what is it all about? So I said, Oh, that just means that God, you are God's treasure and he loves you. And then she literally goes. <laughs> and she says, we don't talk about religion. Like straight up, go away. Okay, let, let us have our meal and beer. You walk away, you go away, right? So I, I said, thank you for, you know, letting me talk to you. 
Goodbye, and I walked away. <laughs> walked away feeling like so like rejected. You know, they were so mean and cold to me. I mean, I understand, but it's not like I, you know. I do know that God planted something in their hearts. I do believe that they were my treasures. You know, so I believe that in faith. But man, on the spot though, I felt so rejected. I felt so not cool. Like oh, <laughs> and what was weird was my seat was like right next to them, so I had to kind of sit there for a while. Why they were like eyeing at me, like like stupid, whatever, you know? They're just really giving me a hard time. But in that situation, God really spoke to me. We all rejoice. You just got persecuted for my name. They just laughed at you. They just scorned at you. You rejoice. You leap for joy. It's a good thing. You are blessed, you know? I was like, but it's so hard. <laughs> How can I rejoice right now? I just feel so like, can I say crappy? Is that a bad word? All right. I felt just so bad, right? Oh, it was so hard. When embarrassment hits me, so hard to rejoice. I mean, I'm just so embarrassed. I just feel so like bad, right? <laughs> I felt so ridiculed, you know, by people. But sometimes you just have to choose to rejoice. You know, I'm not even talking about serious persecution that other people in the world are going through. You know, when those situations come, Apostle Paul is saying he went through a lot, right? He's saying you choose to rejoice. By rejoicing, and there's a point to it, okay? Let's follow, uh, follow the scripture. By rejoicing, so he's basically saying that let everyone around you know that the only reasonable response to life, especially in the times of trial, is rejoicing. Okay, read with me here, right? The verse 4, it says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So he's saying you rejoicing has a reason why, you know? And let everyone around you know that it is reasonable, and it's the only thing that's reasonable to life if you're walking in the Lord, is to be rejoicing in Him. And then He provides the reason as well. He says this, it is because the Lord is at hand. It is because He is near. He's close to you. Psalm 34, 18, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and uh, saves those who are crushed in the spirit, Right? So it it is true that when you are going through something difficult, when you are going through some trials, when it's hard to rejoice, but Apostle Paul is saying it is reasonable. Only reasonable response that you can give to life is you rejoicing in the Lord, no matter what. And he goes on to say this. Verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. 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 Let us speak to you right now. Do not be anxious about anything. He's saying this. Anxiety isn't a reasonable response to what you are going through. For those who are in the Lord, because he is near to you, because he's close to you, it is unreasonable for you to feel anxious about life. Speaking to me right now. And then verse 7, it goes on to say this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let the peace of God guard your heart and guard your mind. Peace here, it's in, in Hebrew, it's shalom. Everyone say shalom. Shalom. If you, if you know anything about Jewish culture, it's their greeting. So when they meet each other, they say shalom. 
Shalom doesn't just mean peace, like nothing much going on, kind of boring, peace like no war. You know, it's not talking about that. The deeper meaning of shalom actually means that all is well. Everything is going well. That's what shalom means. In your body, in your soul, in your spirit, all is well. That's how they greet each other. I mean, they use the same greeting under massive persecution. When their brothers and sisters were dying off like daily, when their houses were getting burned, when their kids were getting kidnapped by these persecutors, they will meet each other. With tears, they will say, Shalom, all is well. All is well. My body, my soul, my spirit, everything is well. It's so challenging. When things are falling apart, and I heard Pastor John Michael preached on this, right? I'm sorry, JM, I didn't get to listen to it yet. But um, I uh, heard that he preached on the shipwrecks and how to respond to it. And then the respond, how are you supposed to respond to it? It's a peace, yeah, peace and rest is the answer, right? So I think Holy Spirit's really just nailing it, nailing it on the head. Is that the right expression? <laughs> He's really just nailing it down into our hearts. Like, get it. Peace and rest, really get it. But today I really feel like God is speaking to us about guarding our hearts and minds with the peace of Jesus Christ. So when all the things are well, I mean, it's so natural for us to rejoice, right? Everything's going fantastic, you know, then I will rejoice. But in Christ Jesus, it is reasonable just like that for us to be rejoicing at all times. I mean, my teenager years, uh, I was a non-Christian. I, have, I had no religious background of whatsoever. So I was just a, a teenager <laughs> who had no religious background. So I just grew up like not going to church, not going to Buddhist temples, nothing, right? So I had no understanding of the spiritual realm, whatever. But my goal and, <clears throat> sorry, oh, my goal <laughs> and dream of my life was to live a life of peace. So that was like one thing. If you look through my journal, it's all about, I want to live a life of peace. It was mainly because I went through a lot of, um, I was a victim of like school-wide bullying, right? Like what you see in Korean dramas, that's what I went through for about a year. And because of that, uh, I just wanted to live without anxiety, without having to worry about tomorrow, without like having to cry, you know, all night because I was so afraid, you know? So my goal and like one purpose was God, not God, but, oh, I want to have a life of peace. That's one thing that I wanted. And surprisingly, guys, a lot of people, especially in Korea, if you just ask them, a lot of teenagers, like, what do you want to be? They don't have really dreams. But then they will say, I want to be happy. I want to have a life of peace. A lot of students will actually tell you that because they just feel no peace around them. They feel like their lives are, they're so young, but they feel like it's, everything's just falling apart. There's no purpose, right? And I, so all I wanted was, man, I want to live in peace, like, at least one day. I don't know what it means to live in peace, you know? But even after, uh, after everything was kind of uh, so, solved, and so I moved on to, like, high school, and then no bullying was going on. But then I still remember that, nothing, even though nothing terrible was going on, I was constantly anxious. I was one kid that was worried about the world, like... I was worried about everything. I, will, I remember like constantly being worried about everything that's going on in the world, you know? Like some stupid small things, I was just so anxious about everything in life. And I was like, you know, I'm just so anxious. I'm just so worried. And it's such a norm that I didn't even notice that I was like that until I met Jesus, you know? Guys, peace is a manifestation of God's supernatural power. 
we sometimes take it for granted, like, too many days, you know, we just think peace is just peace, but it's a supernatural power. It's a, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's something supernatural that I didn't have access to when I didn't know the Lord. You know, it's what the world is really crying out for. It's the manifestation of God's kingdom. And the peace of God is what surpasses all understanding. All understanding. Everyone say all understanding. understanding. So many times things don't make sense in the natural. Like, man, I have enough reason to be grumbling right now. I have enough reasons to be anxious right now. My grad school result is coming out in two days. Of course I'm anxious, you know. I mean, of course I'm anxious. Like, it looks like the boy that I like is in love with another girl. Of course I'm anxious, you know. I have enough reasons to be anxious. Like, people think that way. But the Bible tells us, Paul says, no, you don't have any reason to be anxious. It's unreasonable for you to feel that way. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural power that we have to tap into. Man, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, all is well. The eyes of conviction. All is well. Man, all is well, so let us rejoice, you know? I'm going to talk about guarding the heart and mind a little bit. The peace of God, peace of God will guard your heart and mind. That's what the Bible says. I think I hear the phrase the most in the context of relationships and marriage. It's very interesting how at Sunday Swim, if you were there, Pastor Nita was leading prayer time. And then her closing prayer was all, all about like, relationships. <laughs> and it's so funny that pa- not, I keep calling you Pastor Dog. Where's Dog? Uh, Brother Dog came on the stage and he started praying about tripling the relationships that's coming. You know, it's so funny how, man, God's kind of orchestrating everything. I want to talk about some relationship and marriage here. I'm not married. Um, I'm not in a relationship. <laughs> I don't know much about it, to be honest, but I'm just going to talk about it, right? What God's been just speaking to me about. You guys okay with that? Yeah. Wisdom can come without the experience, amen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I sometimes wonder, go with your heart, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Go with your heart. You know, when I'm like, oh, he's really cute. And like, and you know, he always tells me, go with your heart, Myung <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> Now, what does that mean? You know, do you guys know what that means? Like, does that mean that I should be awkward around him? Does that mean that I should, like, cut him off? Like, I don't even look at him? You know, what does that what it means? You know, guard your heart? Oh, don't be around him? Mm-mm-mm, she's, she's not. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No. Man, our house is really, if you look at New Philly, man, our house is severely single. You guys notice that? <laughs> severely single house severely last year it was worse we had about six weddings last year alone so the ratio is a little married couples are you know we have like much more people right now but last year it was severely seriously we were crying out for relationships and marriages right and god was faithful to answer us with six wonderful beautiful marriages and weddings Uh uh-huh 
I mean, we're a young church. I think I, if you look at the demographic of New Philly, I'm like right in the middle, like age-wise. I'm the average age. I'm 25, turning 26. So 25, 6 is like the middle, like the, yeah, the average, right? So I'm 25, 26 years old here. Woo! Yeah, you guys are average. Not that young anymore, right? <laughs> Anyways, our church is really young. And then we have so many single people in the house that... Man, everyone, whenever we gather, we talk about relationship, we talk about marriage, we talk about non-negotiables, we talk about what we are praying into, you know, what kind of man and woman you like, and, you know, it's all about that. Mm-hmm. But the reason why we say, guard your heart all the time, it's because it's so important. Brothers and sisters, your heart is important. It's precious. Do not... Give it out to just anyone. Yeah. You know, Apostle Paul talked about undivided heart, right? But what I see in the church these days, or even in the secular world, I mean, your hearts are divided into like so many different pieces, like five. When you have like potential five brothers in the church, you know, your hearts are divided into six pieces. And then the biggest chunk is claimed by Jesus, but then others are like 2% David, 5%, you know, like Joshua. <laughs> I don't want to say like real names, but you know. Your heart is already like divided into so many pieces. And then like, whoever ends up liking me back, you're going to be the one, you know, kind of mentality. That's not cool. You need to claim that undivided heart. Man, my heart belongs to Jesus. You know, I want to devote my life to him. You know, in my life, it's a singlehood. It's so precious. I do not want to be distracted. I cannot be divided in my heart. He's the one that I look to. And my husband is in him, right? Hallelujah. So that's why we say it all the time. It's so important because your heart is just so precious. You are not to give it away to just anyone, you know. And second reason why we say that all the time is because it's so hard to guard our hearts. It's so hard. Am I the only one? (laughs) It is really hard. It is so hard to guard your heart. I mean, don't make me feel like I'm the only one in this room. I know you're all like, uh-huh. Deep down, you're all agreeing. I've had multiple crushes in this church. I'll be honest. No secret here. I've gone through some drama in our church, you know? <laughs> you know, without mentioning names, you know? Uh, no, no shame, you know? But... You know, maturity, a lot of people think, you know, oh, when you get mature, you don't have crushes. I don't think that's true. Maturity doesn't mean that you don't fall in love. You don't get attracted to someone. It just means that you just know how to guard your heart and the hearts of other people around you. You just know how to deal with it properly, taking the right steps in the right season. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't fall in love with someone, you know. So, man, where am I going with this? But... <laughs> I'm working on it myself too, guarding my heart. It's so difficult. It's really hard. It's such a hard matter, you know, especially for the single Christian woman and man, right? Liking someone in a romantic way brings a lot of anxiety. It has potential to bring so much anxiety upon you. A lot of tension, so much infatuation, reading into things. Oh, he just cacaoed me. (laughs) What does that mean, you know? Reading into things all the time, you know? Some sisters having, brothers included, having some soulish dreams. You know, I had a dream where I was wearing a white dress, came to pick me up, and all right, some of you here, <laughs> you've, you've dreamt those dreams, you know, a lot of daydreaming, so much room for jealousy. 
you know, it's the source of lots of anxiety. If you are to be completely honest with yourself, it could be really, really tiring. I'm not reading your inboxes, right? But I'm here to tell you, things don't have to be that way. Things don't have to be that way. You know, it's a sign that if you kind of can agree with what I've just shared, all this anxiety and all this stuff, it's a sign that you're not letting shalom of God guard your heart and mind in that area. What did I say? Shalom means what? All is well. All is well means all is well, right? For example, like, let's talk about your lungs. Let's say your immune system got kind of weak, and then your lung got attacked, virus came in, then you start what? You start coughing, right? You see the symptom, and then that tells you that, oh, my lungs are getting weaker. Lungs are getting weaker, right? It's the same way. Like, your mind and your heart, the fact that you are feeling anxious about something, constantly you're worried about something, it seems that you can't just get off the topic, you know? Constantly thinking about certain things, it just means that your, your heart and your mind is just not guarded. Immune system just went down, right? The same way, it's the same way. And you feel anxiety because you are not allowing the battle to take place. I mean, you're, sorry. You, it's good lines. So I gotta read it. <laughs> you feel anxiety because you are allowing that battle to take place in your heart and mind. But the Bible said, let the peace of God guard your heart. You know, you've allowed those emotions and certain thoughts to skip over the guard, named Shalom, and then you're constantly entertaining those thoughts and worries and anxiety. So in a nutshell, you feel anxious because you, you don't feel like all is well. That's what you're actually going through. You're anxious, you're worried because you didn't let the Shalom be the guard over your heart and mind. And there's the constant battle going on. You gotta let the reality of the shalom be the reality in your heart and in your mind. You can't just say, I'll just forget about it. I'll just snap out of it. But it really doesn't happen. If you read the, the verse 8, it actually gives you a practical advice. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure and lovely, commendable, if there is anything, ex- any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? A lot of times what you do is when you get overwhelmed by all those thoughts and emotions, what you do is, oh, I'm just going to stop thinking about it. Oh, snap out of it. Just forget about it. You know, but there's that train of thoughts constantly going on. And it seems like you just can't snap out of it, right? Could be about your work situation. Could be about your future, your school. Could be about, you know, like crush, whatever. But you're trying to ignore and forget, forgetting about it. It's not going to do it. You know, it's not going to help you. But the Bible tells you that what will help you is to replace those thoughts with other thoughts. Like thoughts about God. You know, these, all these things that are mentioned in verse 8, you know. Don't just try to forget about it, but replace those things. Replace those thoughts and emotions with something coming from me, you know? You need to choose to think about other things. That's the active choice that you got to make. And you got to occupy your mind and your heart with the things of God. I mean, even non-Christians know how to distract themselves from, like, those distractions and certain thoughts. You know, like, non-Christians, in Korea, I don't know how it is in America or Canada or whatever, but... Like, in Korea, when people get, like, even, like, non-Christians, when they get, like, like, lost attacks, let's say, what they do is they sing, like, national anthem. It's, like, a common thing. Like, if you watch, like, a movie, you know, try to, they try to, like, like, 
you know, they try to like stop it and try to like sing and they think about like rainbows, like puppies, whatever. You know, they try to like distract themselves and get away from it. But there's no substance to it, you know. There's no substance. But the Bible tells us that we have all these things that have the substance which is God, which is Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, right? You occupy your mind and your heart with these beautiful things. And obviously, there's going to be no room for other things, right? You got to actively choose to replace those thoughts and emotions. Bring the reality of shalom on your heart and in your mind. Let's say all is well one more time. All is well. All is well. Yeah. When you let the peace of God guard your heart, such safety enters into your heart. I mean, it's like, God, all is well. You love me. I love you. Nothing has changed. I just found out that the boy that I've been praying into for the last two years is in a relationship. He's found out. He just made an announcement at the leadership, I mean, leadership meeting. Oh, brother dog, goodbye. <laughs> you know? Let's say that that's what happened, right? <laughs> But you are not, like, destroyed by that. You are fine. All is well. It just means that he was not for me, right? When he's not for me, he's not for me. When he's for me, he's for me, right? All is well. I don't have to be crushed in my spirit. I could let that go, you know? You gotta let the peace of God guard your heart. All is well. Let that be real in your life. Verse 9. This is this. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is saying this line. Um, if you really study Pauline letters, all these different letters that he wrote to the early churches, you will notice that a big part of Paul's paradigm and his theology and his ministry is actually a concept of fatherhood and sonship. If you're in New Philly, if you've been here for long enough, maybe like three weeks, you will notice that we talk about sonship a lot. We talk about being spiritual sons. We talk a lot about spiritual fathers. We use like vocabulary that's not familiar to you, like the house, you know, household. But it's not something that we coined. It's not something that we made up. It's actually from the Pauline letters. Paul talks about, addresses the church, and he calls all those saints my, my dear children. He addresses Timothy as my dear son. You know, my spiritual son. And he talks about the church as a household of God. It's a paradigm that was central in his theology and in his ministry. It's not something we made up, okay? So this, in this house, we say the same man and woman of the house is Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. They're our spiritual father and spiritual mother. Right? And they really represent the voice of God in our lives, giving directions, giving guidance, protection. They're not only just shepherds, okay? They, they, we kind of choose and leave and choose, you know, come back. It's not like that. It's like, it's like coming into like a covenant with them. I belong to this house. I belong to this local church kind of thing, right? So Paul is seeing this line as a spiritual father over the church of Philippi. And he says, saying it as a spiritual authority figure. How many of you are here are leaders of the house? Let me see by the show of the hands. All right, majority. Oh, wow. All the leaders, raise your hands. Hi. Okay, those who are in training, raise your hands too. Oh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> all right, you can put your hands down. 
being a leader and being really becoming really sons of the house really means that um, you're entering into this kind of ministry. So, man, I thought about telling my small group girls what you learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Do you think you can confidently tell your small group of familiar um, girls or boys that just practice these things, just be like me? You know, in other scripture, like 1 Corinthians, I think, 4, 2 Corinthians 4, that, uh, in, in that passage, Apostle Paul is actually more direct. Like, imitate me, be like me, you know? I mean, are you that confident, you know, Paul? <laughs> well, you must be really confident in it, you know? But he's confident, you know? What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice those things. And then the peace of God will be with you. I think it's just straight up addressing the sonship issue, you know? I mean, small group, my small group, where are you at? I'm getting there, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm getting there. But I rather advise them to discern first before they copy everything. But sonship, guys, will bring so much peace into your life. It brings so much security into your life. If you are church hopping, the security and the safety that you could feel at a local church, you haven't experienced it yet. If you're just going from house to house, kind of like spiritual orphans, not knowing you, who your father is, not knowing who your mother is, not knowing who actually cares for you, who takes care of your soul, you know, I mean, you are yet to experience the true intimacy that should be there in the church, you know? And I really do believe that New Philly is experiencing that. And that's why there's so much freedom in this house. That's why I could just be myself up here, making all my mistakes and saying all kinds of strange things. But you guys accept me because it's my home. This is where I belong. You know, I don't get any judgmental looks from you guys. You guys embrace me. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you know, Pastor Benjamin Robinson, who is actually our retreat guest speaker, he, he, he said this. What spiritual fatherhood is all about is impartation of way of life. Deep, huh? profound. He gives an example of this. Rabbianic Judaism demonstrates this well. In ancient Israel, following the rabbi wasn't just about knowledge, but about how to live the ways the rabbi lived. Spiritual fathers don't just teach, but share their heart and life to the sons. That's what we are seeking in this house. We're not just about teaching you stuff, telling you to do this and do that, but we're actually trying to share lives with the people coming into the house. Can I tell you that um, sonship just brings in so much stability, so much clarity, and just, I'm just, I've just felt so secure after I really grasped the, grasped the concept of it. I have family here, you know? I belong here. And a lot of you, actually a lot of us here have made 10-year commitments to the house of New Philly. Ten-year commitment. That's a long time, right? I'm going to be 35. I'm going to have a kid, right? you know? Okay, we have about like 60, I think, seven people that have made a commitment to this house. It's going to boggle your mind if you're just visiting Korea, if it's your first time at our church. But like 60-something people uh, from all three campuses, we've made ten-year commitment to the house of New Philly. And the reason why we can do that, guys, it's really the core of it is sonship. Yeah. It's because that... It's just because we know what comes with it, you know? Yeah. 
It really just empowers me. And I just want to share one thing. Can I just share one thing? I think God's, it's kind of a personal thing, but I just want to throw it out there. After I made 10-year commitment to New Philly about two years ago, um, my life started to change drastically. And uh, God was really just breaking off that fear of failure, fear to please leaders, and uh, be perfect at everything. And God was really just breaking all those bondages off of me. And um, one thing, one restriction that I was experiencing before the sonship period was that I feel I felt um, very limited. I felt restricted, and I felt like I was unable to dream big. And I felt like I'm too busy taking care of my soul, taking care of my life. I'm too busy trying to plan, you know, for my next step. I'm I'm just too caught up in that. So I felt like thinking about future was kind of like so uh, I can't. I can't really think about it right now. Surreal, you know? So I couldn't prepare in advance. I couldn't, I couldn't really think about my future, just to put it simply, right? I didn't know how to dream big. Everyone was telling me to dream big, but I was like, I don't know how. I'm too busy taking care of myself right now, my life right now. Feels like everything's just messed up in my life. I need to just fix it up. And somehow future will come kind of person. But then what really shifted in my mindset was that um, just coming into the house, making the commitment, receiving the safety and security brought just so much freedom in my ability to dream big. And one thing that God was really strong, st- stirring in my heart last week and the whole entire month of April was, you know, I want you to write a book. Right? I was like, write what? <laughs> you know, write a book. And I realized that, wow, there was a passion growing up as a kid. And I was really good at writing. <laughs> I'm honest, right? I was really good at writing up until like high school. Like I was always really good at it. I was a school representative. I would go out and receive prizes. I completely forgot about all that. But the, the reason why I dropped writing altogether was just because my teachers told me in high school that it's not going to help you in your college entrance exam. So just don't do it. It's a waste of time. So stop going to this contest and just don't write. Waste of time. So I listened to I listened to my teacher. I dropped it all together, and I just never wrote again. I never picked up the pen again, you know. And um, ever since then, it's like what wow, seven, eight years of just keeping my gift buried, you know. It was just under the ground. I wasn't using that, and I didn't even realize that God could use that, you know. But I was so busy trying to take care of my life, you know, putting it together, that just that dream part, I couldn't even tap into that, you know. But then once I realized that, man, I don't have to do that for myself. My father, my mother, my family here takes care of me. They got my back. Now I can finally dream. Now I can finally think about my future in safety. I don't have to be all shaky. I don't have to worry about my next year, next month, you know. I'm here and I want to dream big. You know, God was stirring that up in my heart. Actually, I want to write it in Korean. That's my native tongue. So I want to write it in Korean. Everything that I'm experiencing, everything that's going on, everything God is doing, you know, among the English ministries here, I want to write about it and just transfer that to Korean church. I want, I want the youth to really catch it, you know. So many things get lost in translation. And I think it's so key that someone like bilingual will have to really, who understands the spirit behind it, will have to translate it, you know, well, <laughs> translate it well and actually bring it to the Korean church that are so hungry, right? So, man, thank you for your excitement. Man, I'm going to start writing very soon. <laughs> uh, 
hope that you guys buy my books too. <laughs> so you can really read it yourself, or you could give it to your Korean cousins. You know? Yeah. Man, all I'm here to say is that all is well. And let that be reality in your life. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. We're going to close with the song. So I want the worship team to come up. But then I want to also pray for some people today. So let's close our eyes. And just really meditate on what God is speaking today. Man, guys, let me tell you this. The peace of God surpasses all understanding, the Bible says. But a lot of times, it's really, it doesn't feel like it's true in your life. It will conflict with what you feel, even right now. I'm saying all is well, all is well, and you're sitting there thinking, you have no idea what I'm going through. What you feel, what you're going through, your situation... It will conflict with this scripture. Peace of God surpasses all understanding. I just want to bring the alignment into this room right now. The reality of the kingdom is you are well. Everything is well. All is well. What you feel in the natural might cry out, no, nothing is well right now. But I just want us to shift into the truth that all is actually well. And I want you guys to possess that in the spirit. If you don't feel like it, I just want to encourage you guys to claim it, proclaim it. Just say it. No, all is well. That's what your word says. And I believe it. And I claim it. I possess it. And I take it as mine. All is well. And according to your proclamation, everything's going to be well. That's how it works. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. I want it to be reality in this room right now. So Holy Spirit, come speak to every single heart. I feel like we are uh, here to pray for um, people that have been, have been feeling very anxious recently. Ir- like irrational fear, that anxiety that you don't know where it's coming from, but you're kind of sleepless at night, constantly thinking about the same thing without getting any answers. You're just anxious about future steps. I feel like God wants to bless you today. I'm going to invite us our altar ministers. So altar ministers. These are our chosen leaders. They are safe. They're here to bless you and pray for you. So, yeah, I'm just going to open up the altar as the worship team leads a song for us. If you've been sensing some anxiety in your heart that you don't know where it's coming from, I want our leaders to pray over you that the shalom of the Lord will really just come upon you.
And they will declare that over you, all is well. The Lord is near to you, all is well. The only reasonable response you can give it to Him right now is to rejoice in Him, to rest in Him. So, yeah. Yeah. So, worship that leads us into worship song. Oh, you guys come out and just receive prayer.